Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's night. Welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999. I'm your host, Phil Liskov, and with us today is past, present, future guest, Corinne Steichman, TV writer, short story writer, award-winning short story writer, quite frankly. Um, It's true, it's true. Um, She's back to talk with us about episode 210, the cast system uh, from Sex and City's second season. But before we get to that, when did you first watch Sex and City? I'm assuming it wasn't in 99 because you were quite young then. I would have been... 14 but i think oh maybe okay you you probably talked about this on the podcast but it wasn't in canada i was in toronto um i first i vividly remember watching it because my sister went to university in 2001 and that christmas break she came home with the dvd set of season two and Mm. it was you know that plastic dvd set that broke immediately yeah yeah she had she brought it she brought that in season one and I think she ended up leaving them in the house for some reason. And I just one night like kind of started watching it and it became the first show that I ever binged because I just watched the whole season right there. And I was like, this is interesting. It's um, it's, I feel like this was one of the first, I mean, it certainly was one of the first binge shows for me because similar to you, you know, it, it, it aired on like showcase or something like after the full run of it aired here. It was a weird thing in Canada, but yeah. um, this was one of those box sets that you, you know, I, speaking for myself anyway, you were excited for it to come out because then you really could kind of watch the whole thing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's also a time where you had shows like um, Alias and 24, 
both shows that sort of survived, I don't want to say survived, but certainly got a boost from their box sets because they were a little bit too Byzantine to watch, like to just jump into. You had to kind of watch them in sequence. This was a show that you didn't necessarily need to do that. But um, yeah, I mean, how did it sort of, how did it affect you? You know, you were a, a young, impressionable woman when when you were watching this. Did you feel as though it changed your views on dating and men and all I'm that? Still, I still am, Phil. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of like my first impression other than just like, you know, thinking it was funny. And I was such yeah. a comedy nerd. Um, when I was like a teenager, I would watch Friends and The Simpsons on repeat and then Frasier and Seinfeld. And I, that was like my core feel good television. And I didn't really watch a lot of dramas. My sister was really into the X-Files and that was not for me. Um, but I, so I think it was just kind of this other element to my comedy world that I was like, this is interesting. Um, cause it's a woman and it's funny. I don't think I was scandalous. I think I was just, my parents just let me, I don't know. A lot of people have parents who are like, you can't watch certain things. My parents were yeah. just like, have at it. Um, so I was watching it and I was just like, this is, I think my initial reaction was just like, this is, this is fun and exciting and there's a lot of it and I can watch it over Christmas break. But I think it became, I, I was listening to your episode with like Emily Nesbaum mm -hmm. and she says that the show is either a blueprint for people like for teenagers or it's like in your thirties, it's something that you kind of compare yourself to. And I feel like for me, it became the blueprint because I was like, um, just about to go to university. I got a whole new bunch of friends there. We established the Carrie and the, and the, you know, Charlotte <laughs> of all of us. And then we started dating guys who were like emotionally unavailable. So it became like <laughs> the way that she talks about, um, relationships and the, and the rule following and the like, oh, that's a, that's the cast system or, you know, she's always got a buzzword like the Zaza Zoo. Um, I start, we started using that in our everyday, like, just kind of talking and it became like very like a way to digest dating in a way that didn't feel heartbreaking, you know, cause you could just talk about it into, in, in these very specific little weird terms. And I definitely dated people who were a lot like big. So there were definitely times when I called my boyfriends big, you know, and that's just so embarrassing, but. Um, well, no, I mean, I, I, it's, I think you're tapping into something that I think is interesting that I haven't, I guess I haven't really thought of, you know, I've, I've done 10 of these now and, and, and it is sort of, I'm trying to think of another show before it that really was about sort of four female friends. You had shows with female protagonists like Mary Tyler Moore and, and, and Rhoda and, and various other female protagonists that had female friends. But the sort of the square of them, the four of them sitting at their brunches doing like, that to me felt and I forgive me if I'm wrong here, but that felt also kind of groundbreaking that it was really mm -hmm. a show about four female friends so much so that, you know, and I've talked about this a little bit on previous episodes that, that I almost wish that, that the show had sort of really stuck with that. And that the, 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 that the most important thing out of this was ultimately the friendships as opposed to some of these relationships with their, with their male counterparts. It, it, it's, it's, I'm not being particularly articulate, but it's just like, I think about the finale of the show mm -hmm. and admittedly one of the last shots of the show is the four of them walking down the, down the street. And it, it certainly tries to kind of stick that landing, but the last moment of the show is her on the phone with big. So it, it, it is sort of trying to have its cake and eat it too. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I forgive a lot in this show just because I love it so much. And I, and I can, 
kind of just push it into the, like, I see the ending as like, it's, it's funny. Cause first of all, I should say, I rewatched this whole series back in like the beginning of lockdown, like April, my boyfriend had sure. never seen it. And he likes to be on top of cultural moments, even though he's like 20 years too late for this one. <laughs> and so watching it, not only again, I've seen it a million times, but I think this was the first time I watched it in my mid thirties, which first of all is very interesting. Second of all, watching it with somebody who had never seen it before. Sure. You kind of, you, you take on their kind of novice, like, Oh, what's and going a man on here? Too. Yeah, mean, and a man, yeah. um, you know, a woke 2020 man, but he was still, like seeing what things made him cringe and what things he really enjoyed was really fun. And I don't, and I, and I feel like he didn't really see the ending as a problem. Cause he was like, it's just kind of like a, this was just kind of a rom-com. And, um, Oh, I don't, you know, I don't take issue with the end of the series. The movies are a completely different animal, but the, right. the television series, I think ends, you know, as, as well as you really could kind of hope. Yeah. And I know a lot of people wish that like, she was like, oh, I'm okay being single. And like, that was my journey. But I don't know that that was her journey. Like, and it's not like she's the thing that I loved about it. The thing that I guess the thing that impacted me the most growing up, just going back to that for a second is like, this person did not need marriage. She didn't need to be settled down by like, she's 32 at the beginning of this move, at the movie at the, at the beginning of the series. She's 32. That in itself is revolutionary. She's 32. Mm-hmm. She's not married. None of her friends are married. And none of them really start to get married. Like, I think Charlotte's the first one. Then she gets divorced and she's 35. Um, So for me, I was like, that in itself was so great because I was like, I've got this timeline for my life and it doesn't involve getting married until I'm in my 30s at some point. And then here are these people where it's just very commonplace. So I thought that was great. Um, But at the end, she doesn't decide to get married. She's just like, I found this person and we're going to make it work. I don't know. I'm not being fair. I don't. No, 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 no. I I, I think you're, you're, you're. I, I think you're – I don't disagree with you. I think that, again, you know, they try to end the show by giving sort of something to everyone, right? I mean, if you want to believe that her and Big end up together, you can believe that. And if you want to believe that that it's just another stint of, of theirs and that they're going to go through more bumps in the road, you can believe that too. Or you can believe that that they, you know, they try it and it doesn't work and she continues to just date. I think part of it too, when I say – I. I when I say that I don't think she should have necessarily ended up with Big, I really just mean that, and, and if anything, the movies have proven this too, and, and we can only speculate as to what this oh, potential God. HBO Max series that we have on the horizon perhaps will be, but I, I just think that Carrie just doesn't belong in a relationship necessarily, or or or, or monogamous in, in the sense that like she just seems to enjoy the variety. Now, maybe that's just the sense of a television show and, and, and all of that and sort of, you know, keeping it fresh. But I just, I just don't know. Every time she's in a relationship, she seems kind of itchy and, and nervous and, and doesn't seem to particularly enjoy it. She wants the, she wants the, um, the validation of the relationship, Mm -hmm. but she doesn't necessarily want all the kind of, shit that comes along with it i you know find that saying? so interesting because it's right, like I mean, maybe i'm wrong no i think that's really interesting i never really thought about it that way it's just kind of like she likes the chase she likes the games she likes She's the categorizing in, in, in her like, own way you know? yeah and she likes to put yeah. things into like oh i need to figure him yep. out and then once i figured him out i think the thing about big though is that you never really figure she never really figures him out and this is the guy who's going to keep her on her toes for the rest of her life consider maybe but i never i really never thought about it that way that's really well i think, I, that's I, think true. I think it's interesting i mean we'll, we'll, 
when we talk about the the Carrie big storyline in this episode, we see again sort of how can I put this? I, I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it because there's a part of me that feels like the show is pushing and pulling at comedic conventions on television, right? Yeah. Which is the will they, won't they? And and there's two relationships in particular in this episode um, where you're seeing sort of preconceived notions of what a relationship is supposed to be, mm-hmm. the, the class divide that might exist between some of our characters as well. Um, and then we have a storyline that quite frankly should be burned and erased from all of time as far as I'm concerned. A hundred percent, yeah. But we'll, we'll talk about that uh, in a bit. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I do th- I do agree with you that um, that the series ended ended quite strong. You know, a series finale is incredibly difficult to do, and I think that they stuck the landing for the most part. You know, they're, they're qualms aside. But when you were watching it when you were younger, and, and even mm-hmm. I mean, I've rewatched the series a bunch of times. You've rewatched the series a bunch of times. You know, it, there are some things that date worse than others. Obviously, um, yeah. there's you know, the, the world has changed in twenty years. Um, but for the most part, I think the show holds up pretty well. It's a very white show. That's obviously a problem. It doesn't, you know, it's it's not particularly diverse. And when it does go there, it doesn't handle it particularly well, yeah. as we see in this yeah. episode. Yes. Um, so you know, th- those are those are big problems and and I don't mean to gloss over them but you know we've talked about them in previous episodes we'll talk about one of them in particular in this episode um but by and large I feel like the show holds up pretty well I would say that of of sort of the of the of the sitcoms and I guess this is a sitcom that came out of the 90s mm-hmm. you've got friends you've got Frasier you've got Cheers even though Cheers starts obviously in the 80s um you you have sort of these Seinfeld as well, these classic sitcoms that are sort of bulletproof in their own way. Mm-hmm. Some of them hold up better than others. I mean, I've tried to watch Seinfeld and, and weirdly it just doesn't hold up as well for me. Oh, interesting. I, again, I, 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 it was early seasons and I should probably get deeper into the run. And it's not that I don't enjoy the show, but there's just mm-hmm. something about it that I can't totally pinpoint that just doesn't. Were you a fan completely... back in the day of Seinfeld? I, I was, but I certainly wasn't a diehard. I mean, okay. I, it should be said, and it's interesting that the, the comedies that I watched, I wasn't, they weren't appointment television for me in the same way. Friends mm-hmm. was in the heat of its, like, the peak of its power. Yes, yes. You had to go to school the next day and, and have known about what had happened on Friends that week. Right. But I don't know that there was any other show that really had that. Seinfeld had it a little bit. Um, Frasier certainly didn't because it didn't really speak to, I mean, Younger people watched it, but like I'm just not sure that it totally. I mean, it spoke to a a a uh, higher minded younger person, I guess. Right. But ultimately, yeah, I don't know. This show, however, for whatever reason, just seems to kind of have risen above those shows for me in terms of its rewatchability. Yeah, I don't know. If I agree. Yeah, I think it's because it's um, it's not set up joke, set up joke end of show everything's resolved you know like that watchable friends thing of just sure. and that can feel dated just because i think jokes have changed um in terms of what we think is funny and also just in terms of how they're constructed that's kind of a more basic this is i feel like because the characters are become so complex and so interesting and everything is really written in their voices the jokes for me still surprise me you know and i still and, and it's funny because um I wouldn't find certain things funny when I was younger. Like I kind of thought Samantha was a bit um, 
you know, I, I was like, she's, she's fine. I get why she's the creamer, you know, she's there just for the laugh and to be the the counterpoint to a lot of what they're saying. But then when I watched it this time, like she, like my boyfriend thinks she's the best character and he was laughing at everything she said. And suddenly I was like, this character is like, she's so funny and her performance is so spot on. I think you're just kind of always finding new things about it. But I think what makes great comedy great is when you have that emotional connection to the characters and to the world. And this is such a huge and intimate world of these women and surprising in so many different ways where you're just kind of like, it's kind of just evergreen because the the things that they're dealing with, yeah, New York in 2002 or whatever is very different and feels different and looks different and it's a different world, but what they're dealing with is, is universal, you know? So I feel like it just, it's just constantly something that you're going to want to go back to. It's always well, your comfort food, you know? <clears throat> well, I feel like you're tapping into two things that I think are really interesting. The first, and, and they kind of speak to each other. The first being, you know, we're talking about the, a, a show that ultimately had two voices in the mm-hmm. beginning, right? So mm-hmm. you've got Darren Starr, he creates the show. Um, Darren Starr and, and Michael Patrick King are two very different writers for all yeah. intents and purposes. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, once the show, you know, season three, Darren Starr and Michael Patrick King start to essentially swap roles, I guess it seems. Again, mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know the, the ins and outs of it. Pa- I think he left at the end of three, but was kind of piecing out. During right season. during three, yeah. It, it it you you sense a show that is and and someone said it best. I, I mean, I I don't want to attribute this to the wrong person, but I believe it was Sarah Jessica Parker on this podcast that I was listening to, um, where she talks about how Darren saw the show as um, width, and Michael Patrick King saw it as depth. So like there was this sort of. The, the way that Darren Starr saw it was, and I don't mean it to sound superficial, but that he mm-hmm. was seeing it on more of a, on, on more of sort of the surface level of the fun that can be had there. And Michael Patrick King saw it as the depth of character that could be found. And I think that that speaks to the longevity of this show. I think that if mm-hmm. it had been just Darren Starr or just Michael Patrick King, I'm not sure that this show has the same length. Uh, of 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 legacy, if you will, and then to speak to you know Adam's uh, enjoyment of Samantha, that's to me also a perfect example of Darren and Michael Patrick King, which is, you know, Samantha is such an audacious, in your face character. Mm-hmm. Um, her jokes are obviously very funny. Her everything about her is so sort of <clears throat> over the top, and then Michael Patrick King brings in all of this depth to her, mm-hmm. so that you know when she meets Richard. Uh, you know, when she meets people that actually do pierce her armor, it it, it resonates that much more emotionally. It's 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 you know, and I said this with the I'm sure you heard this with the episode with Emily Nussbaum, but like this show is deceptive, yeah. you know, it, it and it's and it's why I think unfortunately it is maligned in a lot of ways. You know, people mostly men that want to see it as a show about fashion and sex, and that it's just such a silly show. Mm-hmm. And I think that. It's easy to do that, right? I mean, you don't you don't have to look farther than the marketing campaign for the show I would to also say, say like the movies really didn't help it in terms of well, yeah, the movies they just kind of if you thought that's what the show was and then you saw the second movie, you were like, yeah. I was right, right, and, and that doesn't that doesn't do it any favors either. I, I just I think it's very interesting to sort of see how you know, it, it, I mean, a lot of it is perception, a lot of it is sort of. Um, 
men feeling threatened by the show uh, to some degree. You know, it's it's a show that that um, that's main thesis statement is that we might not necessarily need men in the way that they think we need them. And I think that that's, that can be, that can be scary to men. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also just like, you know, it's women's problems, <laughs> you know, well, like that's, that's what you can, you can kind of brush it off as saying like, they just talk about sex and stuff. But, and I feel like you've probably talked about this before on this, on this podcast, but it's like the, the most interesting thing is, the fact that they're real people, I think, yeah. again, going back to that first thing you asked me about, like what resonated with you and what, you know, shaped you is just the fact that they're all um, flawed, you know, mm-hmm. and, and like, it, I, I don't know, you always get this thing in t- television when you're pitching a show or when you're on a show, of like making the female lead likable and like everybody to this day, I still get, why isn't she more likable? Can you make her just a little less snarky? Um, yep. And it's just like, here are, for people who are kind of all unlikable in their own specific, you know, I say unlikable. That's the term. Yeah. I would say yeah. it's they're just real in a way that that you just don't see in any other show, and you have to you have to watch it to, to see that. Because if you're just flipping through and it comes on E, you're like, oh, look, Carrie's in heels and she's at some party and she's got a drink in her hand and she's just talking about some guy she dated last night. You changed the channel, but it, it's yeah. it's yeah, it's it's one of the most for me I feel like it was like the first show that really had an emotional connection with the like I loved friends, I loved all those characters, but I wasn't like rooting for them and and being upset with them and feeling excited. You know, I wasn't hooked in emotionally. I think that was the first real show that did that for me. Um and that's just yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, you're speaking to something, you know, that, that, that I also spoke a little bit with Emily Nussbaum about the, 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 the fact that Carrie was allowed to be a mess, the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, which, which made her sort of an antihero in, in, in her own way. I mean, this rewatch for me, you know, season two, um, as I said before, feels a lot like a show that's still finding itself. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like the show doesn't, doesn't totally lock into tone, um, until season three. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a, obviously there's a lot of great stuff in season two and I'm enjoying sort of seeing the, the, the evolution of it through this season, but it does feel like Carrie was given the, the, the freedom and the writers directors as well, obviously to, to be a mess, to, to yeah. make stupid decisions, to be irrational, to, to do things that real people do. Yeah. Um, and, and I think all four of them were given that license, you know, Charlotte, is is probably Charlotte and Samantha are are certainly broad more broadly written than mm-hmm. Miranda and and mm-hmm. Carrie, um, but they start to hone in and they start to figure out where you know where where the where the rails are for those characters as well. It's 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 very special in that way, um, mm-hmm. and I, I think that it, it it deserves it deserves a lot of credit for breaking that ground. Now, admittedly, like we're talking about HBO, we're talking about Sopranos and Sex and the City, both you know, being given license and freedom to really do things on television that never been done before, thought about before. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, But yeah, I still, I mean, if I think about television today, I was thinking about this last night, like who out there right now is like Carrie? Is there an unlikable female lead like that right now? I can't, I really. I mean, I, 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 so I just did a massive rewatch of girls, which I've been texting you about. Yes. And, and I don't, I don't want to, necessarily put these shows in the same 
box because I think they're doing very different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that it's about four single white ladies in <clears throat> in New York, but they're younger. It's a much different show. The show's tone is completely different, um, but it is a show about four women and the mm-hmm. romantic foibles and what have you. So I, I yeah. understand why they're spoken of in the same sentence. <clears throat> the reason I bring it up is I think if we're going to talk about unlikability, if we're going to talk mm-hmm. about being given rope to make your characters pretty despicable, mm-hmm. girls doubled the fuck down on that. <laughs> yeah. like, like they Maybe just, to their own they, detriment. <laughs> perhaps to their own. Exactly. I think a lot yeah. of people were just like, fuck these people. I hate them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I having just finished a rewatch of the entire series of girls, I can safely say it's now probably one of my favorite shows. And this rewatch mm-hmm. really, really brought the show um, into focus for me. Uh, yes, there are some problematic par- parts to the show and, and, and it goes without saying that it's, that it's not without its issues. Um, but I bring it up because it does feel like a logical extension of like, when you think of Carrie and you think of Hannah, these are two very different women, right? Yeah, but, yeah. but Hannah is given the freedom and the license to be a real shithead, to be a real like shitty person. Yeah. Um, <laughs> A narcissist, but but I also think that what's interesting too is that say what you will about Carrie, and I'll I will I'll I'll, I'll I'll get off of this comparison in a second. But when you look at Carrie, you know, in the at the top of season two, even through most of season two, she's actually allowed to look um, kind of a mess too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I couldn't tell if that was kind of the box. time or if that was like her specifically. I think it was. Like I don't know. A choice. <laughs> it feels like a choice. It feels like if you look at the evolution of her aesthetically, yeah. it's like she's slowly getting her shit together. Yeah. Now with with Hannah, that never happens. She's just right. a fucking disaster through the yeah. entire run of the show. Now, yeah. admittedly, she's in her twenties, all of that. Yeah. But I. But it feels like everything that every sort of ground that Carrie broke. Mm-hmm. For all intents and purposes, Hannah went infinitely farther with it. Yeah. Um, now, what's in terms of what's on television right now? I don't. I don't know that there is a, a, a romantic com- somebody comparable to this. Yeah. Or I mean, she, she's kind of in everybody. I think. To I mean, yeah. I think of you know, I may destroy you, which isn't a comedy, so I wouldn't really compare it. But like, she's in her. Um, she's yeah. in Fleabag for sure. You know, I guess Fleabag yeah. would be the closest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, she's in Eleanor from The Good Place. Um, you know, sure. it's just, there's, I think, I guess, I guess Fleabag and I made it like, that would be the closest thing to a real comparison, but it's still, it's not like, it's just, I guess my point is, it's like, they didn't make Sex and the City and then suddenly the door opened and yeah. here were all these really big complex female characters. It really took the past 20 years to get to the point where we're making shows like Fleabag and like, I made a story, you know? You know, I would, as you were talking, the, the show that actually did just come to mind and I don't know if you watched it. Did you watch uh, High Fidelity on Hulu? I watched a bit of it. Yeah. I loved it. I yeah, know that you great. didn't because you didn't well, you finish it. But. <laughs> I appreciated it. But I think that I think that I think Zoe Kravitz's version of Rob mm-hmm. has some elements of Carrie in her a little bit. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think in terms of just sort of um, being a mess, being a hopeless romantic, mm-hmm. uh, sort of the the uh, unsure of how to sort of navigate the the waters of dating. I mean, I yeah. think that's probably the, the the best comparison. But 
Um, let me give a brief synopsis of this episode for the people that haven't listened to it. Uh, Carrie gets fed up with high society while at an Upper East Side party with Big. Miranda and Steven have an argument over money and social status. Charlotte meets Wiley Ford, the movie star, and joins his entourage. And Samantha dates a wealthy real estate developer with a Southeast Asian live-in servant who has hit her master wrapped around her finger. The cast system aired on August 8th, 1999. It was written by Darren Starr and directed by Allison Anders. Vulture put this episode at number 90 uh, of 96 episodes, saying a totally forgettable outing with Miranda and Steve's argument about a money, only the salient detail. Uh, the one that's already kind of apparent from the previous episode's concerns about differing schedules. And Charlotte joins an entourage. Um, sure, whatever. That's basically the review <laughs> of it. Yeah. Um, I want to take each storyline kind of one at a time a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Let's just sort of... Let's just tear off the Band-Aid and dive into the worst one first and just get it over with. The, the, the Samantha storyline here is that she's dating a guy named Harvey who's a real estate agent of some sort. He's got a servant maid chef named Sam. Um, and it's, it's the, the worst possible version of this storyline. The, the theme of this episode ultimately is – uh, discrepancy in the classes, how that affects the relationships between men and women, especially mm-hmm. dating. Mm-hmm. Um, so Samantha is struggling with this notion of um, feeling as though Sam has her hooks in Harvey, I guess. Is it Harvey? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Harvey. Um, and that she feels second rate to this relationship she also feels abused by this woman as well because when harvey's not there sam is physically and and verbally abusive to samantha right which a lot i don't like about this oh boy boy there's a lot to unpack but um i I, i'll just say that um it feels to me like the the abuse that Samantha takes from Psalm is as it's as though there's they're trying to balance the scales a little bit a little bit and being like, well, Psalm is not disempowered in this storyline because she's found ways through her subservience to be powerful. Sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't totally buy it, but I think that that's perhaps what the, the, the rationale was. Mm-hmm. But they're also going for broad jokes here. I mean, Carrie has a VO where she says, I think something like, hold on, let me let me pull it up here because I wrote it down. Samantha realized she's not that dim this psalm. Yeah, that's a great, great pun, SATC. Um, you oh, know, there, there's a lot like of problems. I mean, I have a problem with it from first from a thematic standpoint because it's like yes. we're talking about classes and the only thing you're saying yep. about this particular situation is that it's like it's I don't know that you're threatened by this servant who has to work in this douchey guy's house. Okay. Second thing I don't like is the characterization of this woman is a, I guess she's Thai and the way it's just very racist. No. And then and she's the also thing, putting on like, um, she's putting on an accent. It seems for Harvey, like she's, she's playing tell, yeah. up, this, playing up this, this weird sort of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, stereotype. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and for Harvey, but then when she's with, it makes me think of Hilaria Baldwin in a weird fucked up way. <laughs> it's very. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, continue. Sorry. Um, well, the third thing I don't like is that it's like women versus women for some awful dude. And they just end up having like a physical altercation over this 
smarmy douchebag guy. And, and for an episode that's about classes, again, Samantha's like, I don't have a problem with him having a servant. And like, that is just kind of dismissed kind of at the beginning. And it's like, I guess if, if that's what the episode's about, I felt like that should be the avenue you go down, like kind of the complexities of having a servant in modern day New York and like how you feel about it. I agree. Um, I mean, what, what the, to your point, what the storyline should be about is this is fucked up and weird, but yeah. I really like the guy. Or what the do sex I do is about really this? good. I'm Samantha. Or the sex, and I whatever. Yeah, yeah. Anymore, exactly. you know, this is the guy right. I need for right now. Like, that, that's like, that's, that's where the jokes are. That's where the broad mm. comedy is at. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually weirder. And I can only assume that this was, you know, either through the notes process or through some veiled attempt at trying to seem not racist, that mm-hmm. this storyline transpired this way. What should have transpired, obviously, like there's, there's so many ways to do this of like, some is, is putting on an act or something like there's any number of ways here for this to, to play out in a more empowered situation for both the women mm-hmm. and the guy's a fucking asshole, obviously, because he it's chooses his servant. Very over anyway. very it's unattractive. all fucking off. And also, also physically unattractive. It's, it's all bad. The storyline mm-hmm. is all bad. It doesn't even pay. It, 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 it falls into a classic sex in the city trope of, Oh shit! We're at the end of the episode. We got to get out of this storyline somehow and t- just get the fuck out. Like it doesn't even really wrap itself up particularly well. It's just like, oh, he sides with the servant. Samantha's out on her ass. End of episode. It's just, it's, it's. Yeah, there's no twist. Bad. There's no third, no. you know, third act reveal. It's just like, no, she just loses. Which, yeah, and I, I kind of have this feeling. It's got the smell of like some person being like, oh, I heard the story about this guy who's got a servant, and this is what happened. Yep. And because it was true to life, they're like, we can do it because it was, you know, this really happened. But it also taps into the bigger thematic problem with this show. Talk. I mean, just for today's standards, there's a mm-hmm. lot I like about this episode. I should say that up front. But the things that I didn't yeah. like is just in watching it with the 2020 eyeballs. Um, you know, you're talking about a class system in New York city and the poorest people that they interact with is the servant who gets no real justice served. And then the other Mm -hmm. person is the artist person that, that Carrie meets, who's like a struggling artist and he's a straight white man. So it's like, they're talking about the class system in New York without actually talking about it in a way that puts them you know, geographically on the map in terms of their socioeconomic status and where they are and how there's people worse off than them and people who are better off than them. They never really get into that or, or into the diverse world of New York. Like they just kind of shoehorn this yeah. theme into this idea of class, which I don't think really works. I like the idea of feeling like you're in a different class than your significant other and exploring that. But like, they try to do this thing about making it all about New York and kind of about a bigger picture thing. And it just doesn't work. Yeah. I, I don't disagree. I think that it's, it's, I mean, weirdly it's kind of trying to do too much, I think is what you're getting at. I mean, I I think that it's, 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 it's bitten off a little bit more than it can chew. And it's, as you said, it's shoehorning this idea of, um, of class and also, uh, diversity and those are kind of two very big issues that need to be sort of handled almost separately in their own way and i think like for instance i i would i would argue that the the moment when it actually all fuses together 
is mm-hmm. the scene when they're all getting pedicures. Yeah, that's where the so all four of them are 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 at are having pedicures, mm-hmm. and Miranda's talking about Steve mm-hmm. and her fears about how much she cares about him, but that he is fine just being a bartender and that he doesn't long for some sort of um, wealth or success on on the level that she does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they talk about how that's all an issue, and then you pop out to a wide shot and all of them are having pedicures by what look like Asian women from Mm -hmm. the back of their heads anyway. And it's, it's a moment where Charlotte points out to them, like, look at what is happening right now. And they all sort of feel elements of shame and, and, you know, Carrie even says like, thank you. And like, Mm -hmm. it's that to me, hits it on the head perfectly and yeah. you almost don't want to go farther with that notion yeah. within this episode. Yeah. And instead they go down this ill-conceived path of Samantha's storyline. Yeah. Um, whereas I think that you've said what you need to say about the cultural divide mm-hmm. um, and these women and how this all kind of fits into their universe. Mm-hmm. Um in a in a pretty subtle and deft way, like I I, yeah. I appreciated that it was a wide shot, it was a look, it was it was an uncomfortable kind of awkward beat, mm-hmm. and that was kind of that was kind of enough to say what they had to say. Yeah, Maybe, it, I'm not I'm not saying there isn't more to say. I just I'm not sure that they could say it. Right, but it also gives depth to that thing that women like women going to get pedicures is such a common thing. But it also gives it the Sex and City depth of like we're gonna like this is something that we all do and we all laugh about. But like there's like kind of a weird fucked up thing about this, and the fact that they acknowledge that you're right, it would have been very effective to leave it at that and then move into the relationship, you know, comparisons and stuff. But um, well, it's you it's, know, I, I, I it actually brings up. This actually brings up one of my favorite moments on the show, and it is quite awkward. Um, it's in season four, and mm-hmm. uh, Carrie is about to get kicked out of her apartment because she doesn't have the money to pay for uh, for her, I guess, her rent or her mortgage or whatever the case might be. They're turning um, her apartment into a, a condo, and she can't afford it. Right, right. Um, and, or isn't, I thought that, like, Oh, Aiden moves out, and he Aiden. It Aiden her. moves out. He bought it. And he's giving her thirty days like, to either buy it or to move. Yes, correct, correct. Yeah, um, and she goes to various sources, um, big being one of them, and he writes her a check, which is insane. And there's that, but she goes to Charlotte, yeah, and they have a very awkward conversation. And Charlotte says something. She's like, "My dad always told me never to talk about money with friends." Mm-hmm. And she won't give her the money. And Carrie doesn't even really ask for the money so much as sort of imply that maybe she could help her. But long story short, the reason I bring this up is because I think there's something very interesting about, and I, and I tend to agree that, that money and friends should probably stay separate. It's not a good idea. Handle your finances properly and all of that. Um, but what kind of, uh, drama can come from that awkwardness, mm-hmm. insecurity comes from it. I think is really, really interesting, and and yeah. we'll get to it in the in the Miranda Steve uh, storyline because that leads to honestly one of the most awkward scenes I think the show's ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, for I'm speaking for myself personally, maybe, but okay. I, I I think that um, I think the idea of wealth 
mm-hmm. and the spectrum that these women have. Now, admittedly, they all seem very well off for the most part. Carrie's apartment, it would be a bazillion dollars and she somehow has all this money to buy these shoes on a column. But that's neither here nor right. there. <laughs> I guess I just sort of, I guess to posit to you, you know, mm-hmm. did you, do you still, I guess, I mean, is this a, is it a thing that women deal with in terms of like in friendships when you find yourself in situations where some might be more well off than others? Does it create friction? Does it create problems? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, um, I think it's an interesting and very real thing. And I think what's, I mean, I definitely like if you go out to, you know, going out to dinner and choosing the restaurant, you have to be like, oh, well, this person doesn't want to go to this kind of restaurant or this person's uncomfortable doing this. Like, yeah. it's it's definitely just a social thing that I think is, I mean, I remember friends did an episode about it in their season two, mm-hmm. um, Five Steaks and the Eggplant, that episode was. Um <clears throat> Is that because Phoebe didn't have the money? Is that is that who? Yeah, it's like there's like the, the friends were split where uh, Phoebe and Joey and Rachel couldn't afford to go out, but um, Chandler and Ross and Monica were all had good jobs, and so when Monica got a promotion, they all wanted to go to a fancy restaurant and it became like a big um, conversation. <laughs> and honestly, you don't. I, what I love about that episode that you talked about is that you just don't. You never. Oh, you never see that episode on any television show where they talk about the like. Like the, especially friends, which is always, you know, ridiculed for the ridiculous apartments that they have in the village that cost no money. Like the fact that they tackle Carrie's finances head on is so interesting. The other thing that I love about that episode is the fact that um, I don't think Carrie gets mad at Charlotte for not giving her the money. She gets mad at Charlotte for not offering, which is so specific and so mm-hmm honest because it's like she's like I didn't want you to give me the money I didn't expect you to hand it over but everybody else was offering and you just sat there and looked away from me and that really hurt and Charlie like that's such a complicated thing to like dissect never seen it on television before I haven't seen it since um and the resolution to that is really great but I I think I think it is a universal thing and seeing women talk about money in this way was I think is revolutionary. I mean, I think the only other thing I was watching at this time that was maybe similar was Allie McBeal. And that's a whole other, that is not comparable. Like that is not, it's not a great feminist show, but like her, you know, she's got wealth and she's got money and they never really talk about it. And they never really talk about her success either in terms of like compared to other people in her life. Cause everybody's a lawyer and everybody's got money. It's kind of just this assumed thing. So the fact that sex and city always kind of deconstructs income and it's always in the background in these kind of really believable ways. I don't know. I find that, I just find that so interesting and so true. And I just, you just don't see it. You just don't see it anymore. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I think that, you know, that scene between uh, Carrie and Charlotte, you know, she goes over to her to her, uh, her unbelievably beautiful penthouse. condominium or penthouse. Park Avenue. <laughs> and, and says, you know, but you didn't even, well, the, not not that we're talking about this episode that much, but it does feel like it does touch on on a lot of themes in this episode. But uh, there's a great moment earlier where uh, Miranda offers, she says no. Mm-hmm. Samantha offers, she says no, and then Charlotte's just drinking, slurping her drink out of her and drink turning and, away, yeah. and turning away. Yeah, and that that's the that's what sets off Carrie. And then you know Charlotte's counter to that isn't you know wrong. No, the, the, I don't think it is. Yeah, the, that's the, the best arguments, and you know this from being in writers' rooms as well, but the best arguments in general, but specifically in television, are when both sides are right and yeah. both sides have a have a good argument. Yeah. So, the, so the audience actually sees real conflict and is really pulled mm-hmm. in two directions. And when when Charlotte says to her, like, "But, like, come on, you're spending your money poorly. You're you're buying all these shoes, you know," and she's like. I I know these shoes hurt my feet, but I love them. Like there's just, there's something about like, she's just, I guess, Carrie owning how, how much of a fuck up she is, Mm -hmm. but also turning to her friends and saying like, I need to know that I have you as a safety net is a valid thing. Yeah. And just the fact that a woman, because she's what, 36 or some 35 in that episode. And the fact yeah. that yep. she's not financially stable and she doesn't mm-hmm. have a man that she can just like, yeah. well, I mean, the fact that she rips up Big's check that she gives her, it's just like, that's yeah. a great moment. Cause that's what you normally it is a great moment. would do. She would just go to some dude yeah. or the guy she's dating yeah. and be like, you know, like Charlotte, yeah. who's kind of the you know manifestation of that with, with the apartment she gets from her divorce mm-hmm. from Trey. And yep. she just wanders around it all day aimlessly and she doesn't have a job. And Carrie comes over and she's like, what the fuck are you, you doing? You're volunteering. And she's like, nobody <laughs> will hire me. Like, yeah. it's, it's, just, it's really, it's good stuff. Yeah. It's a great episode yeah. and it's great comedy and great emotion. And, and, and you do see, to come back to this episode that we're talking about today, mm-hmm. you do see the DNA of that in this, right? Yeah. Like you can yeah. see them trying to sort of chip away or, or approach this, you know, somewhat prickly and, and and difficult thing to dissect in this episode. So I commend them for trying. Um, I really do. Even and, and and I would even say that, you know, there's no question that you and I in a half an hour could come up probably with a version of the Charlotte and Samantha storylines that worked. And again, hindsight's 2020 and we're in 2020 and we are looking back 20 years. <laughs> almost, right? yeah. But it's easy for us to be like, if you just snipped here and snipped here and changed this and changed this, these two storylines could have really sung. Yeah. Half the episode really works. Yeah. The Charlotte storyline we'll talk about kind of works a little bit, but the Samantha one is a, is a downright failure. Yeah. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the Carrie big stuff. Um, the episode opens with a montage in New York. It's spring. Carrie's that. pondering the idea of telling big that she loves him. Um, I re- Carrie and big when they're in this, 
cutesy bullshit. I just, I, I can't stomach it. But that's wait, what cute? You mean like the beginning opening montage of them like going? Yeah, when they're just like, and she's just like all like doe eyed and and thinks he's the the greatest, and he's all smug and big like. And I'm just like, I just, I don't know what I'm supposed to. I I I know that I'm supposed to love love this, but I don't. I love Uh, it because I love big. And his sarcasm and the way that he cuts through kind of all the the stuff that could be sure. super like like the scene when they're walking. She's like, "Oh, he took me to the ballet, and he doesn't even like the ballet, so I know that this is going well." And then he makes a joke about how like all the ballet people were probably on wires. I'm just like, "That's so great because you're cutting through the super sappy stuff of this moment with like just a like a hard joke about how like yeah he doesn't yeah." Take it- yeah, I mean, sure. And I, also, I, 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 the New York character, which is what she does in every episode. This is true. Um, she also has really crimped hair that she went to the ballet with. But I'm just like, did you see her hair? No, but it her was hair's crimped kind of, in like oh, amazing. It is. It's that. It's that late '90s crimping thing. I think we all had a crimping wand. Not you, but every lady did. Well, she, had, she, she had one. But it was only some um, pieces. Another piece of it was like crimped from like the ears down. Yeah, she's it also wearing like strange. an extreme amount of extensions. I think that don't. Yeah, it's weird. It's a weird look. And it was all like to go to the ballet. This is not. This is like to go clubbing it's or whatever. New York ballet, though. It's like rom- It's romantic. I I was into it, but all right, um, it also um, just reminded me of my mm-hmm. first heartbreak, which was New York. And that I grew up wanting to move there because of shows like, like Sex and City, Friends, Seinfeld, Mad About You, um, all New York, all the very yep. specific kind of New York. I yep. moved there in 2008 and it just didn't want me. It just did not open its arms to me. I was just like, I'm here. I love you. I've loved you forever. And it was just like, we don't care about you. You should you should probably I'm, just, I'm picturing a montage of you moving to New York with Taylor Swift's Welcome to New York playing. And oh, yeah. Just and didn't just, play out like just that. bright-eyed, and I was working at a publishing company, and I was, like, walking up Fifth Avenue, and I was like, come at me, New York. I'm here to meet friends. I couldn't and meet anybody. Like, we're good. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> we're, we're full up on, like, useful and optimism. We don't need you and your bullshit. Um, I'm sorry. No, and I really, like, my biggest dream was to move to New York, and it just didn't work out. And I was like, oh, well, I'll move to L.A., and eventually I'll move back. And, like, now I just don't think I would. Now ever... L.A.'s got its hooks in you, so there you go. L.A. has its hooks in you, and, and New York is different, you know? It's not the same thing that it was. It's not the same. I, I, I mean, I'm not going to be the first one to say this, but obviously L.A., New York, very different types of people, very different mm-hmm. vibes. I'm just, I'm just not built for New York. I don't, I don't think it's, so. it's, it's too it's, – it's, it's a little much, much for you. I, I just I get anxiety. It's oh, forget it. It's a lot of people. Um, so then, Big buys carry a giant jewel encrusted duck purse, mm-hmm. and she accidentally tells him that she loves him. Uh, Big awkwardly doesn't really know how to react, and he kind of like kisses her on the nose. Like it's a very, it's a really awkward scene. It's, so um, it's great. And then we're at brunch, and she's talking about what this duck means and they're talking about how hideous it is. It really is a fucking really hideous purse. Um, and also can we just, I don't know if you noticed this. Did you see what Miranda was wearing at brunch? It was like this, it was like a members only jacket. Okay. I don't remember. But like lined with like a jungle print of some sort. <laughs> like it was just, I, there's, I would, I would safely say that the, the, the costume department 
had no idea what to do with Miranda. Like yeah. she's the, she's definitely the one that they're just like, wow, what the fuck does Miranda wear? Especially on because, her time off, because like I know she wears yeah. suits, but like when she's not at the office, they never like. It's like an fluorescence episode. and like yeah. I just, it's weird. It's there's an episode. I think it's the first. I think it's the uh, take me out to the ball game episode where they literally put her in like overalls and like a newsies cap. And they just have her like like in a red like she's just kind of wandering the streets and you're like even in 1999 this was not a, like she's no like she's it's it's crazy she it's like a page it's really it. they just don't know what yeah they just don't know what to do with her yeah um so uh then on the big and carry front actually let's we'll, we'll jump to the Miranda for a quick second so Miranda talks about Steve mm-hmm. um and that uh she'll only let Steve take her out to dinner to places he can afford. Right. Um, which is uh, a pizza place. And that pizza looked fucking amazing, by the way. Yeah, I know. I like, that, they did not. Would, they went to a real place and they were like, we need was, some real pizza. <laughs> Between this pizza and the pizza in Seoul, I don't know if you've seen Seoul yet, the movie. I'm saving it. I haven't known. You need to watch it. It's fantastic. Uh, I'm just like desperate for a pizza by the slice place that I can mm-hmm. go buy a slice of just like gooey, amazing pizza. 2020 has been rough. It's um, been rough. Well, we're looking for now just pizza by the slice. Well, you know, like um, normally in craft yeah. services, they just get like a DiGiorno pizza and they put it in the oven, and then that's the pizza on set. But these guys are like, we're going to go to this great place no, and we're all going to eat pizza. It's amazing. Yeah, but yeah. But she, I, yeah. this is this is the stuff where I don't know how to put this without it sounding somewhat shitty. But like Miranda <laughs> and Steve in these type of moments, mm-hmm. right, where it's like. Eating a slice of pizza on a park bench, mm-hmm. and and Miranda's able to kind of shrug off all the bullshit that goes on in her life and just enjoy these small, nice, you know, moments. Um, are when they're at their best. It's when they blossom. It's when they're the best, right? Yeah. And uh-huh. the, the the issues ultimately come into play when Steve is unfortunately not able to play at her level. Mm-hmm. professionally yeah and it's sad and ultimately they work it all out so it's, it is what it is but Spoilers. it's in these moments where i'm like you really get to see these two and how much they they click when mm-hmm. they can stop sort of with all the bullshit peripheral nonsense um which is why this storyline is so heartbreaking to me because i'm just like so steve takes miranda back to his place and it's a total fucking hole in the wall it's Terrifying. Yeah. And Steve says, it's cheap. It's by the bar. You'll never have to come here again. Yeah. And then he shows her and, <clears throat> the problem is that they're looking for a suit to wear to this function. And he's got a correct. gold suit. So she's ostensibly coming over to look at this gold corduroy suit. And then Which, she by sees the way, it. Great jacket. I thought it was Honestly, great. You could have just gotten a pair of slacks and it would have been fine. It would have the gold fine. jacket. Anyway. Um, but Miranda then takes Steve to get a new suit. Reverse pretty woman. Reverse pretty woman. He looks great in the suit. Miranda tries to buy Steve the suit and he won't let her. Mm-hmm. Now we have the scene that that to me just really kind of killed me, which is Steve tries to buy the suit and his credit card is rejected. Mm-hmm. So then he pulls out another credit card and he's like, can you put half of it on this and I'll write you a check for the rest. And then Miranda's like, just let me buy the suit. He's like, let me buy the fucking suit. It's really awful. It's really awful. It's awful because someone trying to to ex- extend themselves past their means to try to impress somebody that they love 
and put themselves in a position that makes them uncomfortable. Um, it makes me think of, have you seen the movie Say Anything? Um, Maybe? No. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't remember it though. Okay. There's a, I'll just, there's a tremendous scene in that movie uh, where um, your friend, John Mahoney Martin from Frasier is playing mm-hmm. yeah. um, uh, Ione Sky's father. Okay. And he goes to a luggage store to buy his daughter luggage because she's about to go to school <clears throat> in London. Right. He goes there and the woman who's working there starts to flirt with him. And he and you sense that like maybe there's a chance that they might go out sometime. So he goes to the cash to buy the stuff and his credit card gets declined. Oof. And he's like, oh, we'll try this one. And then that one gets declined. And now this flirtiness between them has now turned into a very sort of like fraught situation. She's like, the bank tells me I'm supposed to cut it up, but I won't cut it up. It's okay. Like you can just go. And it's just like a fucking brutal moment where this guy is just, he's, his heart is on the line a little bit. And I felt that with Steve where it's like, he desperately wants to be able to pay for this suit so that he can impress her and and be what she wants him to be. And this storyline ends with him saying like, I can't be that guy. Like, he shows up at her place the night of the party, doesn't have the suit, said he had to take it back, that he can't afford it. Uh, and she's like, why won't you let me buy it for you? And he's like, I'm just not at your level. And that, that to me, like, this whole episode works for me because of this storyline. Because yeah. Darren Starr found a way to talk about class <clears throat> and masculinity, femininity, what we're supposed to, what we whatever. And then, of mm-hmm. course, you get a shot of Miranda at the party later and she's thinking like what was wrong with his fucking corduroy suit yeah who cares and i think the thing that's so heartbreaking about it is that she continuously says i don't care how much money you make even when she's talking with the girls at the nail salon and and yep. um and charlotte's like well he's from a so- different social economic class and background and education like it's just, just yep. never gonna work and she's like i don't care i really don't care about all that stuff and then he's the one who makes it a problem and she keeps saying it's not a problem and it's just that is why it's so upsetting because it's like if he just could change a little bit, this could work right now, you know. But it's I and I guess I it's a also, pride thing, right? It's a pride thing. But it, there's there's a little bit on both sides. It's a pride thing, but it's also a little bit of of there is a snootiness from Miranda, right? Which is mm-hmm. she sees the corduroy suit and she goes like, "Come on, I'm not gonna right. let him. I'm not gonna. I, my boyfriend can't wear that." Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not totally one to one. It's not you know she says I don't care if you don't make any money, but then she goes to his apartment and she's like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah, like, and then she, she forces cares. him into the store and like makes him put on these clothes, and he's like, "Okay, I guess I can like if this is what you want from me, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna want to do this." Right. But, so it's it's just it's it's yeah. I I think that they do a good job of showing two people that really care about each other that have hangups that are unsure of how to navigate these waters. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really, when push comes to shove, they don't end up together until season six. Yeah. You know, so we're, we're really talking about like, she gets, they smartly get her pregnant so that Steve is still in her life and that, you know, they have the baby together and, and, and we still get to get that, which again, like that's this, that, that is the, the, the cleverness of this writer's room to see like, we can't put these two together because mm-hmm. these two have a lot of shit to work out. Yeah. But this baby can force them to be together while they're going through these various changes. Yeah. It keeps Steve in the picture in a smart way. Well, I think they um, don't after this point that he comes back in season three and they have like a, a more lengthy relationship, I feel like, where she's doing his laundry 
and like just yes, they do. They have they it. They give it another shot. They get and then she, yeah. oh, he wants to have a baby, and then and then she's like, I don't want. I already have to take care of you. And then he gets this puppy, and then they just kind of lose it on each other. I think that's yeah. The, the puppy is no, the breaking point, if I remember correctly, because at a certain point the puppy's gone because he's he's moved out. If I remember yeah. correctly, yeah, they and definitely try to date the bar, and they're like, well, maybe he called it Miranda's bar, and she's like, they named the bar after his dog. It's <laughs> <laughs> called Scout. It's called Scout. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you're you're absolutely right. They do try to give it another bigger shot in season three. She gets pregnant in season four. Four. End of season. Um, yeah. Coulda, woulda, shoulda is yeah. when. Anyway, long story short, um, they break up in this episode. Yeah. And it's a bummer. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things, and I'm sure you know this too, you know, when you, um, when you cast, especially when you cast shows that are of, of romantic nature, mm-hmm. you have your, your, um, your day players, you have your guy who comes in or, you know, you say to yourself, well, we, we have an arc for this person. So we want to bring somebody in and you mm-hmm. just never really know. Yeah. There's an immediate spark between Steve and, and, and Miranda, yeah. um, or between, uh, Cynthia Nixon and, uh, uh, David Egenberg. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really interesting how, like, I just keep thinking like at a certain point, do they just say like, well, Steve's we're done with Steve. We've got to move on. Or did, did Steve just keep sort of finding his way into storylines or was it just immediate that they were just like, well, this guy's obviously, this is her forever person. So we've got to find a way to keep this person around either way. They did a great job with their relationship, which is why the movie's so terrible. Um, So uh, Charlotte, Charlotte meets Wiley Ford. He comes into this actor, famous actor. I I don't, I'm not really sure who he's supposed to be built off of. Like Leonardo DiCaprio, I guess. Yeah. It had kind of, it definitely had a pussy posse vibe for sure. It's also Um, like that kind of fame now would not be attributed to some actor. It'd be like a pop star, like a Harry Styles, like some actor crazy. I guess, I guess it happens. I guess it depends on who it is, but yeah. Um, Anyway, this guy comes in, mistakes the fire hydrant for a piece of art, a fire extinguisher that is uh, as a piece of art she immediately starts making out. He asks her to close the gallery for the day, which is insane. She just like closes up shop and starts making out with him in the back of the limo. Charlotte has a Charlotte, call- <laughs> Charlotte calls Carrie from her cell while Wiley takes a leak in a nearby alley. Uh, and Carrie tells her to run, basically, like, get the fuck out of there. This yeah. is a bad idea. Um, and uh, Charlotte ignores her. Um then Charlotte gets pulled into sort of his douchey entourage. One night they're out at a bar or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wiley asks her if she wants to take a toke of weed. She says no. And then he forces it into her mouth from mm-hmm. his own mouth, which is fucked yeah. up yeah. and gross. Um, not cool at all. Uh, and then we come back to this storyline and it's terrible, but basically Wiley at, first of all, he keeps calling her Charlene. He, Cause he likes refuses it to know her name. Yeah. Likes it better as bullshit. He just yeah. can't remember her can't name. Remember her name yeah. And then he asked her to go to the bathroom and put her finger inside herself so he can smell them. She says no way and moves on with her life. Um, it's not a traditional three act story. In any sense. Really? There's no, it's kind of like the Samantha thing where there's no like twist. There's no uh, complication. There's no, like, it's just kind of an escalation of assholeness and her putting up with it. 
Mm-hmm. And then at the end, she's just like, okay, like it really doesn't say anything about anything except mm-hmm. I guess it's fun to make out with movie stars. It, 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 it screams of, we need a short, a Charlotte storyline yeah. this week. <laughs> um, what's one that, that could be, that could be kind of fun. Um, and we can do it in three beats, basically. I guess it's um, also like one of the first times you kind of see a different side of Charlotte, you know? Yes. Yes. It's probably the first time we see Charlotte be kind of fully like ditzy. I'm just going to kind of fly by the seat of my pants. Wild. Yeah. Spontaneous. Wild, um, spontaneous. Throw out all of her rules, all that stuff. Like that's all fun. They don't really do anything with it. We see, we see flashes of this, no pun intended, because at one point she flashes a boob at a party. Like we see moments of, of Charlotte being like, crazy yeah you know what i mean like when she, when they go to um uh atlantic city and they call her harlot like a gift shop but, but to your point it's it's few and far between they don't do it very much yeah but, like there's a great um, episode i think in the beginning of season one where they go to staten island for some party yeah, for that chick yeah. carrie is involved in and she gets yeah. really really drunk and then she decides that she's going to get married like that's yeah. like that. There's a reason for her to be wild and loose and crazy, and then the, the result is that she wakes up the next morning. And she's like, "I'm done dating. This is it. I have a yeah. bad hangover. I'm not doing this anymore. Where is he? Where like, is that's he? Such a great yeah, where she screams off the off the ferry. I'm a catch. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and then she. I think she pukes. <laughs> yeah, she pukes. Um, um, so let's we'll wrap this up with the with the Carrie big stuff. Where basically, big asks Carrie out to dinner. Mm-hmm. And um, she thinks that he's going to tell her that he loves her at this dinner. He she doesn't. Does a great, do so. There's a great moment right before that where she tells her friends the the rule of like, if he doesn't say it in a week, I have to get out of this relationship because this is going to expire and it's going to curdle like bad dairy. And then that, so that's like, that's the little rule that I, 14 year old Karen would have taken away and been like, okay, one week after you're saying, I love you. Like, <laughs> And that's, apparently you uh, you work at a speakeasy. Uh, in the 1920s, eh? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he doesn't say it. He just says he's sorry for giving her the bag. Or if, if she wants to exchange yeah. it. Man. Yeah, it's weird. Um, so interesting about this storyline, and I feel like we've yeah. talked about this, um, is I my in the rewatch of this show, my biggest takeaway is not that Carrie is – a mess or, she, or like, I don't know. When I was a kid, I always thought big is kind of this awful person and she, he just doesn't, he just doesn't love her. Or he doesn't give her what she needs. And, and rewatching it this time, my biggest takeaway was that just their communication is so poor. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of Carrie not saying how she feels like there's an episode, like when oh, she yeah. farts, I forget. Is that season? Probably season yes. one, the fart. And no, she doesn't. I, I think it's season one. It's season one. It's yeah. Great. And she, and she farts in bed with big and she's so embarrassed that she doesn't talk to him for like three days and she doesn't explain why. And then he doesn't call her. So she just unravels and she's like, this whole thing is over. And she's always like, Oh, I'm putting on a little show for him. I'm together. Carrie, I'm, I'm crazy. Carrie. And he, if he knows the real me, this is all going to fall apart. But it, it, it's based on the idea of like, she just kind of withholds her true feelings for him. So what's so interesting about this episode is that she, at the top of the episode says exactly how she feels and the repercussions of that are, yes. are, are result in both of them now miscommunicating with each other to the point of like a breaking point. Well, okay. I want to unpack that for a second. Cause I okay. do feel like, yes, she thinks she wants to tell him 
that she loves him. Mm-hmm. But she's scared to do it for fear of what the repercussions could be, but also because she doesn't seem 100% sure. Oh, so, I didn't. I, I think she just the impression the wrong moment because she's so... She was just so, she just wanted to say it so much and she just awkwardly chose the wrong time to say it and it just didn't land. But I don't think those are mutually exclusive is my point. Like, okay. I think that they can they can coexist. Like, I think that she's struggling with this notion of how do I say this? Should I say this? Do I believe this? I mean, my, my bigger picture carry through this whole season and mm-hmm. I'm very curious to see sort of how how this theory holds up by the end of the season, but that Carrie's been lying to herself this entire season. Right. Like it's just, it's one, it's one sort of lie after another in terms of what she thinks she wants, what she's entitled to yeah. any number of things. It mm-hmm. just feels like she's grappling with her inner truth. And I think that this feels like another version of her saying like, I think I love this guy. I want to say that I love this guy. It, it falls out of her mouth at the wrong moment mm-hmm. out of not knowing what to say about this heinous piece of jewelry. Oh, that's interesting. That okay. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not, I don't think either of us are right or wrong here. It's no, just I just, I never thought of it that way, but that, that could be, yeah, that could be it. And um, I think she immediately regrets it because mm-hmm. he doesn't say it back. Um, and then she doesn't really know what to do with that information. He takes her to dinner. It doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. Then he takes her to a ritzy party on Park Avenue with some, you know, shitty asshole person that, you know, has lots of money or whatever, and notices that everyone, all the women have different versions of the purse that she's holding. Right. Which mm-hmm. is, which really kind of hits, it sees a sort of a red flag that Big doesn't actually know who she is, like doesn't know her. It's also this that, emblem of this other high high class Upper East Side yes. society that she doesn't swing in and he does. And he thinks right. this is the kind of person she is, which is the theme or whatever. Right. She which is, which is on theme. One of my favorite lines of the whole show, mm. which is when um, the, the fucking hoity-toity host is like, no yeah, brown food or drink. And then, um, and then she's like, oh, when she's ordering her drink, she has to order like a wine or whatever that's white or vodka. And then she turns to Big and she's like, this person She's just like developed this eccentricity, hoping that we can all assume that we can just to distract the fact that she's completely devoid of any like actual personality. And Mr. Big's like, stop being a bitch. And she's like, I'm not being a bitch. I'm being myself. And I feel like that's just like the whole thesis of the show. And but it's also just she's angry because he didn't say I love you. She's not saying it. He's not saying it back to her. They're having a really real argument of just complete like petty miscommunication. Yes. Yes to all of that. I, I think that, you know, I like her own – I mean, it goes without saying that there are any number of monikers that men give women to sort of pigeonhole them or make them feel bad about themselves. Mm-hmm. And calling her a bitch in this circumstance – first of all, she wasn't being a bitch. I, I – the, the hostess seems like a fucking asshole. So yeah. like, it doesn't seem like unwarranted, but for her to own it and say like, that's just like, this is who I am. Despite who you think I might be, this yeah. is who I actually am. Yeah. Um, but to your point of you, like yeah. everybody having a real argument on both sides of a really good relationship, it's like big is friends with this woman. She's friends with these, he's friends with these yeah. people. So in his, in his opinion, she's kind of being a bitch to his friends. And she's like, but why would, why would you be friends with her? Cause she's such an idiot. Like, yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's it's I mean 
the the truth is, and this I, I not to beat a dead horse, but there is a part of me that's like the fact that you and I can have this discussion about an episode that's not even probably in the top tier of the. It's definitely not in the top tier of this of this television show. Yeah. Show is that even one of the weaker episodes of this show has so much going on in it, mm-hmm. and it how how easy it is to dismiss this stuff under the superficiality of you know, the universe that it exists in. Mm-hmm. When I think that a lot of this stuff, I mean, this is this particular episode is trying to break down this idea of of the class distinctions that exist out in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that it does a pretty good job of it under mm-hmm. the circumstances. Um, so Carrie basically tries to light her cigarette and the host is like, you have to go on the terrace. And she's cast out. Gotta love those puns. And city puns. Yeah. Um, and uh, so she goes outside and she bumps into her old friend Jeremiah, who is, if I if I remember correctly, a street magician, a, a world artist, performance artist. I think is what she she calls him. Sure. He pulls out like a shitty fucking rose from his pocket or something, and yeah. you're supposed to be like, "Wow, this guy's David Blaine." He knows Blaine. magic. Yeah. He's an so, artist. Uh, they're smoking outside. He shows Carrie that he has a new tattoo that just so happens to be on his lower stomach, just over his crotch. So when Carrie gets down to look at the tattoo, the hostess thinks that she's blowing him from the perspective that she sees it. Mm-hmm. She goes and tells Big this. Big comes up to Carrie and says, "Were you blowing one of the <laughs> one of Chris um, Knott's face when yeah. he comes when he gets when you see from her perspective you see um this host telling Mr. Big the story and the look on his face is just complete like it's almost admiration and just gentle humor he's just like were you is this that like he's just so like I think he's so yeah. genuinely amused by it but she's so hot and she's so yeah angry about everything that she's just like she, she's ready to snap but like he comes at her with and that's such a great choice by that actor just to be like so mr big about it, just to be like gently amused by like i heard this story yeah. is that true is it true that this yeah, yeah. i mean and, and the, the truth is that like i mean i think he knows in his heart that she didn't that she wasn't um but but i do think that there's something to be said for um him even asking the fucking question. Yeah, no, it's it's, um, it's insane right. and insulting. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's just it's it's. I'm not generally a fan of stuff like this. I don't I don't love like mistaken identity stuff or mi- seeing something from the wrong perspective so it looks like it's one thing, but it's like I just mm-hmm. you know I, I I don't I don't particularly love stuff like that. I that being said, dismissed. Yeah. Yes. Um, so she takes off, she goes drinking with Jeremiah. Um, they stumble down towards her apartment, they kiss. Um, and then the next morning, Big calls Carrie. She's got Jeremiah in her bed. It looks like she might have slept with him, and he tells her that he loves her. Big does. <laughs> and then and then Carrie decides not to tell Big about Jeremiah. It is the most heartbreaking I love you. <laughs> ever recorded in a situation comedy for television. Like it's just, it's she's, she's gone home with this guy. I think just to get back at him, you know, in that way when you're trying to make your boyfriend or your, this guy you're chasing jealous, you'd be like, I'm going to go up that guy. And then like, he calls her and he's like, I, he basically says like, I I need to, to tell you this in my own time because when I say it, 
it gets me into trouble. And instead of her saying like, I understand that makes sense. She's just kind of stunned. And I think cause she's so ashamed of what she did last night and she doesn't know what to say. And that makes him just yell out, I fucking love you. Okay. And it's so harsh and upsetting, but it's also like she got what she wanted and it, and it's, it's not, it's, 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 it's kind not of, good. It's like the proposal from Trey with Charlotte. It's like, she had this thing built up in her head and then she just kind of says, Hey, do you want to get married? And he's like, okay, alrighty. Um, so it's Alrighty. kind of like that subversion of like the I love you episode in a romantic comedy or in a situation comedy for television is usually like very sincere and beautiful. And like, think like I think about Ross and Rachel. I don't really remember the I love you moment, but like all those, you know, treacly yes, things. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. This is just so upsetting, but it's like she got what she want. And now they're in love, I guess. And they're going to keep going and they're going to have this relationship. Yeah. What it's being built on is just this kind of. Well, this is this this is. I mean, if we're we're <laughs> from thirty thousand feet here, this relationship is built on rotting wood. Like this is yeah. not a relationship that is stable. It's not built from a stable place. It's not built from a place of honesty. Mm-hmm. It's built from a place of truthfully of like manipulation and withholding. Like and it's games. just all sorts of and games. Like yeah. it's it's why it's not the way to build a relationship. It's mm-hmm. not why it's why. If you look at the relationship with Aiden, and I hate to make the comparison, and I'm not saying Aiden was perfect either, but like Aiden was a good guy. She was forthright with him for the most part until she started until cheating she started on him. Having but, the yes. <laughs> yeah. But I just I, I guess I just feel like um the end of this episode feels weird and somewhat unsatisfying. It feels weird because as she's walking into into her apartment, the VO says, and that's the last thing I remember from that night. Mm-hmm. So they're they're trying to sort of be like, did they have sex? Mm-hmm. She's fully clothed. He's fully clothed. Looks like they probably just made out and passed out. Mm-hmm. But they don't give us that specificity. Now, I don't know if they're withholding that information because they don't want to taint Carrie too much in mm-hmm. this situation and make it seem as though she did something worse than just kissing a guy, mm-hmm. which is what it seems like they're saying. Um but her saying I didn't tell him also feels like it, – it's just – it's got a whole bunch of like weird moral gray shit around it yeah. that makes it feel – I know – that makes it feel messy and and if I remember correctly, is not resolved in the next episode. I'm just looking it up. It's not resolved in the next episode because I remember what happens in the next episode and What's it's it's all about episode? like – next episode is her leaving her personal shit behind in his place oh, to try to like – yeah. But yeah, no, that's the, yeah, it just kind of, they continue. It's, um, but that's what's so great about this. Again, like you were saying, like in a kind of a mediocre episode of the show, like look what they're doing. Like it's so fucked up um, to end. To each other. Yeah, to each other. And just to leave the audience on that really sour note of her um, basically asking him, like, did we? And he's like, no, I don't think so. And then her just kind of sitting there being like, okay. And that's it. Like no tag, no yeah. like funny, like him showing up with roses or anything like that. Like it's a, it's a messed up show. Like that's messed up. I, it, it is. It's just, it's, it's begging for more, I guess is what I'm getting at. Like it's begging oh, for, either, okay. yeah. Like I feel like it's begging for a situation where, um, truthfully, I feel like, and I understand why they didn't go there because maybe it's too much drama. And, and listen, I am a drama writer, not a comedy writer, but I, I, I couldn't help but feel like I wish that 
that they wake up and that they're slightly unclothed and they don't really know what happened. And she gets the call from big and he says that he loves her and we're left in this moment of did she or didn't she? And then at the top of the next episode, you literally could have Jeremiah or whatever her figure out like they didn't have sex, but mm-hmm. like leave us on the, 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 the possibility that she got the, I love you, but she also perhaps cheated on him sort of leave us on that kind of cliffhanger and then resolve it in the next episode. But instead it's all kind of like mishmashed into this like weird kind of thing. And then it's over. And I'm just, I just don't really know what to make of it. Oh, see, cause I see it more of like, it's, it's her internal struggle, you know? Sure. Sure. Uh, in terms of what she like, and also, um, yeah, I guess it is the sitcom thing of like resolve things by the end. And the fact yeah. that they don't is kind of, is just subverting that idea. I feel like. I, and I think, and to agree with you and piggyback on what you're saying, I think that it's underlining, boldly underlining just how rickety this relationship is. That this that this relationship is is on Dude. shaky ground, you know, and it is doomed. We know that by the end of this season, he's engaged to somebody new. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, th- th- this relationship is is not built on strong foundation. Yeah. Um, so to, to your point, I don't, I'm not saying it doesn't work. I think it works like it does what it needs to do. And it, mm-hmm. it rounds the story off to your point mm-hmm. so that next week it's a whole new adventure. So I, I get it. But, um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's just, it was, I was just kind of left going like, huh, that's kind of a weird ending for this episode. But I'm not, I don't hate it. I just was yeah. sort of like a little weird. It is so weird. at the end of every episode, I have been asking my guests who their favorite character is and why. Who is your favorite character and why? Well, I feel like I have, like, I feel like you can have a favorite of the four and then like a favorite of not the four. I feel like on rewatching, okay. I. You're making your own rules here, but, but I appreciate it. The problem is that I want to pick a woman because it's such a female show, but I just love Big. I love it. Oh him. my God. And I, I know we've talked about this and it's partly because my boyfriend really That's insane. Him, but he just. He's a way to cut through so much savviness, you know, and, and he, my favorite thing is sarcasm and, and just kind of playfulness in a relationship where you're just kind of always, I don't know, like you're just kind of subverting normal relationship things in a way. Cause you're like, that's kind of cheesy. What's our version of that. That's not yeah. conventional. And he does that with that. Like he's always got a smile or a smirk. Like there's a, I keep thinking about the episode in season four when um, he, she's dating Aiden and he's dating the, the famous person and he's just like such an emotional wreck and he's just like, but I can't get a hold of her. And she's like, I don't care. like, I don't know. I just think he brings so much subtlety and so much comedy. And that this is the leading man. This is the person that people ever since the show came out is like, who's this character's big? Like this is the white whale. And he's kind of just this, sarcastic you know well-to-do kind of buffoon i don't know i find him to be incredibly enjoyable to watch i know you hate him that's a very very interesting choice correct i i i'll say this i think that he achieves everything he's supposed to achieve right i mean Mm -hmm. it's a character that's meant to sort of make people um that he's charming and 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 uh witty they got the banter they got the whole kind of like i get it i don't hate chris noth in the role and i certainly don't hate the character i just do find that he 
grates on me sometimes with his arrogance. Um, and I do feel like he's kind of a kind of a dick towards Carrie. It treats her kind of shitty sometimes. Yeah, that, that... I, don't, I don't see. I now I did think that when I was growing up, but now I feel like it's just it's a mutual problem that they just are not communicating well. And he's been in these like past marriages that failed so horribly. And he's, he's kind of scarred from that as opposed to the, like, what's interesting is like when I was a kid, I was like, his character is based on guys who are just want to fuck around and don't really want a girlfriend and just don't really want a relationship, but you're kind of hung up on that guy. That's kind of how I pegged him. But then watching him as a 35 year old, I'm like, he actually just has been burned and is kind of exhausted. And it's like, I really can't emotionally get into stuff unless I'm a hundred percent sure. Um, and so I just think I just think there's a sadness there and kind of a subtlety and um I, I think that I think I think both things can be true here. Yeah. I think that he is I think he's been burned and I think he's been hurt and all of that. But I think he also likes the fact that um saying I don't, you know, the the I don't want to be pinned down, I don't want to be in a relationship, I don't know, I don't know, is also an excuse so he can fuck around. So it's it's kind of He's trying to have his cake and eat it too a little he bit. He never fucks around on her though. Well, he fucks around on his wife. That's different though. That's not Carrie. No, but I, I well, he okay. He's not I don't think he's monogamous to Carrie in seasons one and two. Up in time. I mean I don't know. I, I listen, but okay. the, the bigger issue here, we can we can get into you know, we can get into semantics or logistics of his character, but I think that 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 fundamentally you know the the uh, businessman tycoon smooth operator whatever. It's just not my bag, right? Like it's just not my thing. Not and my I bag. get why I, I I get why Carrie and him work. I get why I, I get the the witty banter and I, I get the calls her kid and all that sort of shit. Like I get it. Um, which weirdly, so does Adam on Girls, but that's neither here. That's nor the thing. I love Adam too. Um, He's great. Oh, I love Adam. I love Adam, but um, yeah. So I, this is all just a long way of saying that I think it's interesting that you picked him. Mm-hmm. You're the first person to pick him. Am I the first so person that. to pick a man? I feel bad about that. I mean, I have a favorite of the four. No, okay. I think someone picked Steve. Steve's great, and someone picked Harry. I think as well. So Steve and Harry are, are unquestionably the best guys on the show. But who's your? Favorite? I do think. Have you answered that question? Uh, yeah, I feel like I, I mean, I, I, listen, I love Miranda just for what it's worth. She's probably my favorite character if I had to pick one, but, um, of the outside of the main cast, I mean, I really love Steve. I really love Harry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, I'd say Miranda picked, is my favorite female character because I Ashley picked an amazing pick. Her pick was, um, do you remember Kristen Johnson? Her oh my God. The last single woman. Who's I'm so bored I could die. <laughs> When did everyone pair off? Yeah. Where the fun go? Yeah. <laughs> she falls out of the fucking window. It's fun anymore. Yeah. So bored yeah. I could yeah. fucking die. <laughs> so it's called Splat. Yeah, the episode's called Splat. Splat. Yeah, it's great. Oh, yeah. God. That's it's a great show. pick. Actually picked that one, yeah. and it was, it's a great pick. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a show filled with tons of great characters, and I totally get I, – I understand – I understand liking big. I do. I understand what he brings to the table. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm not charmed by him a good amount of the time. Um, there's just other times. And listen, I would, I, and, and to come back to your other point, which I think is a, a really valid one, and it's what 
got me on board really with big is the season four stuff where Mm -hmm. they're friends. They're not dating. They're not really trying to date each other. Um, He's dating this actress Sloan something or other, I think was her name. Um, And seeing his insecurities, seeing him be in a situation where she can get me, but I can never get her. Yeah. And like, Jerry doesn't that, get it. And then Aiden. Understands she's like, it. I don't get it, but Aiden gets it. Like, yeah. He's like, that's fucked that's up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like it's, it, it that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's why season four is ultimately my favorite season of the show. That's when the show I think is taking its biggest swings emotionally with its characters. It's really kind of going, I think to the most interesting places. Everyone has interesting relationships for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And when yeah, they, four, should- four is my favorite. When he and Carrie shift into being like that guy who got away, who there's always going to be a little bit of like, he's always asking like who she's dating and there's always a little bit of sexiness between them, but it's always kind of more just like, oh, it's that guy that you kind of had this thing with and then he moved away and you don't talk very often, but there's always that like thing. That's so interesting too. And the fact that they... I think what's so interesting about this show is like, unlike Ross and Rachel, where it's just kind of like you're forcing them together and you're trying to make it interesting every year. Like they really had the ability to kind of take him away, but keep him in her life in a realistic way, but in a way that wasn't every week. Like you didn't have to keep him on the cast and crew list every morning because he's getting a certain salary. Like I think that is, it's it's one of the most artful cat nor, you know, will they, won't they's, in terms of how they played it out. Cause you never got to the point of like, Oh, okay. Well he would just like, they're still friends and they're hanging out all yep. the time and he got married and they're still like kind of, I don't know. Like, I just think it's such a, no, I think that I agree with you. I think it's keeping, keeping big on the back burner um, as a friend, you know, that, that always looms large. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of the reasons that, that, that the, the Aiden relationship doesn't work. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? It's, it's, and same with the Petrosky relationship. Like oh. it's just, it's just interesting how big figures in. And, and again, you know, just to reiterate, you know, you know what this is like too, where, you know, you're looking at your season long arcs, you're looking at how the, the chess pieces are going to move around and you're trying to figure out um, what the best way to do that. And it's incredibly difficult to keep all of these plates spinning, to keep all of these things going believably um, so that you can get where you want to go ultimately. Yeah. Um, like and this decision, show is very, very adapted. The, the decision to, to, to send him out of New York at the end of season four, like that's wild. They didn't write and Like it, it kind of felt like you're writing him off the show, but it's not that, but that's a, that's a big move to be like at the end of the season, he just kind of quietly slips out of the city and he starts his new life in Napa, which we never really see, but he's still, well, I think large. I'd be very curious and I don't imagine I'll ever get to have this conversation with Michael Patrick King, but who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'd be fascinated to know. So she gets, Sarah Jessica Parker gets pregnant mm-hmm. um, in between season four and five. Right. So they know that they're, they can only do a short season five. Yeah. Um, so they, they, what I'm assuming they scrap what they, cause season five was going to be the final season. Oh, okay. But she got pregnant. So they did this truncated version and then right. they went obviously big and did this sort of like two part thing for season six, which was right. the final season. Um, so five feels like this weird kind of like stutter step yeah. between the two seasons. It doesn't totally work. Um, it doesn't totally work just cause it, it doesn't really have anywhere to go go necessarily she meets burger mm-hmm. but like it doesn't really go anywhere oh, but it does have some funny episodes there is burger anyway but 
what I was going to say was, I'd be curious to know what season five, what their final season five was supposed to be, and whether or not it involved more of Napa, whether or not, I mean, I imagine that what, what probably was going to happen was she was going to meet whoever she was going to meet, that relationship was going to keep her here, but there, you just don't know. So like, yeah. oh, they could have been just, setting up just, a whole Napa thing. That's what I'm saying. Like they could have been setting up all sorts of stuff that we don't know because like she goes to Napa on the train. You don't take a Napa. You take a Napa, don't go to Napa. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, so there's a part, she goes to Napa for that one episode with big on the train with, and, and, and there is that. Um, But I can't help but feel like there might have been more, like this is just a long way of saying that when you're said when you're told, okay, we're only doing eight episodes in season five, we have to hide her pregnancy for the most part. Yeah. And also we can't do any of the things that we had thought we were going to do before. Right. It's going to get your brain turning in different ways. And I imagine it had to have an effect on what season six ultimately looked like. Yeah, I think you're so right. Just, That's really, I'm I didn't scared. think about that. It's also that kind of thing of like some rooms just kind of write stuff and they're like, well, we'll figure this out when we come back for next season. Okay. And, oh, for sure. Sending him to Napa isn't, you know, just sending him to space. It's like, no, you can I feel figure like out a way. If, if that was something that was meant to be something else and then turned into to what it is, yeah. I, it's handled really well. Because you don't yeah. really miss him for season five, but the fact that you get one episode with him is enough. And then he yep. kind of comes in for one more episode in season six and then the finale. And you're like, yeah, it works. Well, he comes in six, has the heart thing. Oh, that's one of my favorite episodes too. It's a great episode, but it's also like his heart, his heart. <laughs> His heart was clogged, and thus he told Carrie how he really felt. But then when he woke up the next morning, it went back to being closed again. Heaviest um, symbolism. Heaviest. They get really heavy in the symbolism. And, yeah. And, uh, um, but, yeah, I mean, I, 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 they do a really good job of keeping Big alive in the right possible ways yeah. over the course of 100 episodes or so. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tall order, and mm-hmm. they did a great job at it. But. And one more season of it, it just wouldn't have worked, you know? No. No, it, was on it had, I mean, it, it was, the, it had the right run, which is yeah. also the other thing too, where it didn't overstay its welcome. It, it got out when it was, when it was sort of, but yeah. Well, Corinne, thank you for being here. Thank you for, thank having you for coming me. on talking sex in the city. I love um, this show. We, you will come back for a future episode. Uh, I'm sure uh, perhaps, well, you, you mean, we already did an episode for look who's talking, which is right. awesome um and uh yeah let's there's i'm sure there's more 99 stuff definitely more 99 tv to maybe an ally mcbeal maybe a something like that well i could talk um, for centuries about that show and its problems <laughs> and also yeah. the impact it had on me as a 14 year old it was a big show um yeah. but yeah we'll, we'll definitely have you back but um thank you so much for being here thank and, you for having uh, me of course of course One last thing, please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, Speaking of subscribing, check out our Patreon on all the best films of 1989, Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Fabulous Baker Boys, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, Field of Dreams, Major League, and many, many more. We are covering all the best films of 1989 with amazing guests like Joanna Robinson, Liz Hanna, Hunter Covington, Brian Cogman, David Iserson, and many, many more. All your favorite guests from our 1999 podcast are coming on to the 1989 Patreon. You can sign up for it at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. 
For only $5, you get access to all of these awesome episodes. And for a few bucks more, you get video of our 1999 episodes as well. Plus, there are other very cool tiers too, where you can even be a guest on our podcast. Please check out our Reddit as well at reddit.com backslash podcast like it's. We're also on Twitter at podcast like it's 1999. We're also on Instagram at podcast like it's 1999. Uh, thank you so much to Ernie and Will for producing our episodes, Sullivan for our social media, Jan Katas for our amazing art and theme songs. And most of all, thank you all for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.